Hello, welcome everyone, Eid Mubarak to those of you who are celebrating, and full moon Mubarak to those of you who are not. There was a really beautiful full moon out a day or two ago. Um, how has everyone's week been? Let's go with Susie. Um, it's been a stressful week. It's been a very stressful week, um, but it's over now. It was just all, you know, personal stuff. But other than that, everything's going okay now. I mean, except for President Harris is trending, and that's a little bit disheartening for me. So that's all. But why? Who do you want? Well, the, the reason that that she's trending is that um, they're saying there was a, a guy, the guy who did the Dilbert cartoon. I think it was him. Put a, a post out, a tweet out that said, "Just tell, put a headline out that says what something you think will happen." in a year from now and he said i'll start infrastructure bill stalls <laughs> and then everybody started writing president harris visits joe biden in the dementia unit <laughs> so there's that yeah, yeah but that's I the overwhelming yeah that was oh. the one that won yeah, we'd Wait, sooner do like a weekend at Bernie's with him just standing up and being pushed <laughs> around and sort of rum, 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 than uh, leave him in a dementia ward. <laughs> yeah, might as well. Wait, did Biden do something that is starting this whole? Not that I know of. I just that he just, this guy just he's a well-known guy and he tweeted out that thing and everybody just jumped on and. You know, I'm sure he's older and he's I'm sure there's memory problems at work there. But also, um, you know, he overcame a stutter and it still creeps up. And sometimes he stumbles over words, you know, like most of us do. But he's got a huge platform. He's got the platform and he has a he's overcome a stutter. And so I, I don't know that it's fair to assume that he's got mental problems because he sometimes has a problem making himself understood mm. but i don't know maybe he is maybe he does have a problem i don't know all well, i know I, is I, I, i've seen no evidence to say that he has a problem i yeah. definitely think that he has uh the, the stutter issue makes it look like he has a problem when he doesn't yeah uh, but also i think he's he He's become such a surprise to me in how effective he's been as a president yeah. that it's hard to imagine that he does have dementia. Like, yeah. I don't know how he could pull off what he's been pulling off without being lucid. I also don't think that he's naturally a performer. Like, mm -hmm. some people are performers. He isn't. And um, so he doesn't have that boost, energy boost or that limelight. Yes. That which is... Which is Part of why he's so effective, I think, is he's not in a very senatorial kind of way, right? Making these deals during the negotiation, and all of a sudden we have grand legislation. And yeah. and we don't have to hear every single word that comes through his head. Yeah, unfiltered. <laughs> Which is a really, really nice thing. I mean, that that alone takes pressure off substantially for me. I mean, he, he's been the type of president that he was, a uh, presidential candidate, which was he hit. He just, he was in the background. You hardly ever heard him. You hardly ever saw him. And he let Trump blow himself up. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that's the, right. I think that's the key to Trump, right? It's just to compliment him right off a cliff. Yeah. And it, 
and so as a president, I think he's he's sort of had that attitude too. Like I'll let Mitch McConnell say stupid things, and I'm gonna I'm gonna just get work done in the background. Yep. Ramesh, did you want to say something? Yeah. How do you think Joe Biden celebrates his deed? <laughs> so what holiday? What ho- yeah. Did he did he put something out? I, I have no idea. I'm just trying to wrap up Eid and then move on to the <laughs> conversation of the day. Oh, I see what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for those who don't know, um, it's basically um, Eid al-Adha. It's several days. When does it end, Ramesh? Was it Friday that it officially ended? Like, He, he did. He put out a, an official okay. statement. There we go. Statement by President Joe Biden on the occasion of Eid al-Adha. Jill and I send our warmest greetings to those celebrating Eid around the world, the Eid tradition and Hajj rituals of of providing for those less fortunate in commemoration of Abraham and his son's devotion to God carry a special meaning this year as we continue to navigate the challenges of COVID-19 and work to respond to and recover from the global pandemic. Blah, blah, the Hajj, which convenes people from walks of life and from every corner of the globe, is also a reminder of Islam's commitment to equality and the shared roots of the world's Abrahamic faiths. Blah, 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 on behalf of the American people, we wish all those celebrating a safe and wonderful holiday, Eid Mubarak. <clears throat> and yeah, it ended on Friday. It ended on Friday, yeah, that's good, yeah. Okay, um, Ramesh, how are you doing? Doing well, doing good. Still worried about surveillance, as always. Surveillance? <laughs> surveillance, as always. How did that come up for you? It, it didn't. It's just the background worry that escalates. And then, oh, we've had some terrible climate news in the past week, too, right? California yeah. keeps burning, flooding in, in China and Europe, and where else? Germany. Did you say Europe? Mm-hmm. You said Europe. Yeah. yeah. And then another bad. heat wave is on its way. Yeah. Another heat yeah. wave. Oh my predicted God. Yeah. The dome Midwest was, yeah. all the way to the Pacific. Yeah. We're going to hit 100 yeah. for the first time today, I think, which is weird. Which is weird. The hurricanes have been quiet so far, right? That scares yeah, me. They're been... <laughs> no, I'm serious because it got off to this really noisy start and then all of a sudden everything yeah. just went away. Yeah. And what I, I think the, what we want is a nice steady hurricane season where hurricane after hurricane boils up and takes off to get that energy out of the system instead of letting it build, 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 and then it goes all at once. Yeah. I have a friend I met for for Eid. We were meeting each other. Great congratulations. And he his new thing is he's going to be an insurance adjuster now. Oh wow! He says that it's it's so lucrative and it's wonderful because we have these disasters coming in uh, month by month. <laughs> wow! Yeah. Um, I also want to just make a note here um, that Roy Peace, Roy Woody, is taking a hiatus because Susanna Woody, his wife, is running for commissioner. And they have, I know, uh, in Travis County, so which is in the Austin area and beyond. So we we will miss him for the period that he's gone. Um, and we're hoping to bring in correspondence. Um, so this week it's just us, but starting soon we will be having correspondents coming in and sharing their wisdom and insights with us. Yay. Um, I guess I'll go next. Um, I'm doing pretty damn good. I 
do eBay shopping, uh, <laughs> secondhand shopping on eBay. And I got this shirt for $5. <laughs> That's awesome. I know. I'm pretty damn happy. Yeah. I love, I love That's... the colors. Look, it's gorgeous. It is. It really is. It's gorgeous. It really is nice. $5. Yeah. $5. Uh, well, $5 plus, I think, $4 something shipping. Shipping. It was worth it. That's what gets you. <laughs> Fucking shipping. <laughs> <laughs> and tax. Don't forget tax. eBay charges tax, though. Yes. Yeah. And I bet it doesn't go anywhere. I bet the federal <laughs> government sees none of it. Right. <laughs> also, like some other good news. We just got rid of a, a an old vacuum cleaner that was the bane of our existence. <laughs> we got a new vacuum cleaner in today. Right on. For the show, we were vacuuming so happily. <laughs> That's Happy what happened. vacuuming to us wow. all. May we all have peaceful, joyous vacuuming in our lives. Wow. I hope you all suck. Safe, safe vacuum. <laughs> Like one of the things that it said on the package is don't vacuum hot burning coals. Did it really say that? Yeah, it did. It said don't do smoldering embers either. <laughs> so was, was that thinking, the batch that was supposed to be sent to Mississippi and it got you know, sent to Texas? <laughs> so here, what happened? Did they have a different warning for Hawaiians? Like don't vacuum lava. Right? Oh, God. I mean, I don't. Your house is going to catch on fire. You're out there at the vacuum cleaner trying to suck it up. <laughs> what other warnings should they put on this? God uh, damn. I'm really happy to be in Central Texas where the weather is cool uh, and everything is green and lush. And uh, we're not, you know, in like a blistering hot state like Oregon, where I don't know how <laughs> humans survive under those conditions. That's terrible. Um, yeah. <laughs> You know, like, yeah, we're just in the 90s. Yeah, well, yeah we're not 100 today's, but you know, it's July 25th, so 100 today is pretty crazy. That's pretty fucking amazing, honestly. The last couple of summers has been have been like that, though, where it's been desert, well, they don't get hot until like August. Yeah, and then they stay hot until October, until, mm -hmm. or a little later, even sometimes. It's just, <laughs> yeah. God, man. And it's before it's, the freeze, I was harvesting tomatoes in February. I remember, I remember, and then it all went yeah. to shit. And now we're back in the in the uh, stage four here in Austin. Mm -hmm. COVID stage four. Which Does that mean anything for the folks who are walking around HEP? Mask masks? mandates are supposed to be back in. Okay. When did you hear something? Uh, no, it's not state obviously, because Greg has come out and said absolutely no mandates, but I think the city has asked people to start wearing them again. It's not, of course, but, you know, mandatory, which would make a mandate. Um, but I think that stores and stuff like that, like HEB, yesterday I went into Randall's, Ugh, hate Randall's, and everybody was masked. So I think people are just taking it, maybe they're just taking it upon themselves. Yeah, we went somewhere public and uh, most people were not masked yesterday, but that's still more than a few days ago because yeah. we we landed from Mexico where everybody was masked into, except for some of the Americans, into Texas. Nobody is masked. We were like, we, we were like, what is happening? Um, 
So it we does. never do yeah. yeah. So yeah covid and climate updates aside last time we talked a little bit about the iraq war the afghanistan war the war on terror all of its various nonsenses patriot act and this week yeah this week we're transitioning a little bit into talking about the effects of this war that take place internationally on on us on things at home as well and yeah patriot act is a good place to start out what is the Patriot Act? Where did it come from? All of this. I think we heard actually a little bit about this last time, right? Could you refresh us, Dr. Yeah. Brenda? So l- last week we said uh, that the Patriot Act actually was was created by Bill Clinton administration in the aftermath of the attack in Oklahoma City against the Murrah building, the federal uh, building that was blown up by uh, Timothy McVeigh uh, by two white terrorists using... Uh, Fertilizer. And the whole idea behind it for the Clinton administration was they just wanted to sit on it until there was another terror attack and then they would implement it. And of course, the next event really was 9-11. There was there was stuff in between, but 9-11 was the, the, the big high profile event. And so the Bush administration instead then became the guys who promoted the Patriot Act. Um, it was sent to both houses of Congress. Uh, with the opening paragraph explaining that no one could read past the opening paragraph, um, that it would that it would be a, such a secret uh, piece of legislation that the senators and the representatives voting on it wouldn't know the contents of it. Oh, Jesus, <laughs> there were there were twenty five no votes in the House. Bernie Sanders was one of the no votes. In case for those of you who want, looking for a little consistency. Um, <laughs> one no vote in the Senate. There were three people who were missing that day, uh, Domenici of New Mexico, and then uh, Jesse Helms and Strom Thurmond. So three of the furthest right senators, you know, like you, you really couldn't get much further to the right at the time, uh, were, couldn't make it that day, which is really interesting to me, like in terms of timing, like really what were you doing? Were, you couldn't vote. Yeah. And so I've often wondered if that was their way of saying no without saying no against the Bush administration. Right. I, I just don't know. I don't he, know what that he, was about. I mean, we were just talking about dementia. Um, and and um, yeah, I'm not being flipped when I say this, but he, he maybe he forgot. <laughs> he wasn't doing good. I mean, he wasn't, but yeah. he was 100 years old. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Your expectations I mean, needed to be appropriate. So, Dementia or not, there was he had definitely lost some going somewhere. Yeah. And the one no vote in the Senate was Russ Feingold. Uh, so one of the great disappointments in my life was that Paul Wellstone voted for it. Uh, wow. For those of you who don't know, Paul Wellstone was the liberal who was murdered in a mysterious airplane crash um, when he was running for office uh, in 2002. Uh, oh, I remember that. Yeah. I remember. So what happened was when the when the Republicans assassinated Mel Carnahan in the 2000 election, he was running for the Missouri seat. Um, Mel Carnahan was traveling with his son and the plane mysteriously went down and it killed him and his son. And then his wife got appointed by the governor to replace him because he won the election. Um, he beat John Ashcroft, 
So, so just, you know, John Ashcroft, John Ashcroft then became the attorney general for George Bush Jr. But, it, but it's really remarkable because how did that conversation go? Hey, John, uh, I need an attorney general. I hear you were defeated in an election by dead man. Uh, are you looking for a job? I'm looking for a highly qualified person that pretty much everybody in your state hates so much they'd rather have a rotting corpse represent them in the Senate. <laughs> um, so what happened when, the, when they decided to kill Paul Wellstone is they made sure that his daughter and his wife were on the plane so there'd be nobody for the governor to replace them with. Hmm. So that was... Wow. Uh, yeah. Brilliant. Terrifying. Yeah. Let's so start. what... Get the whole family. <laughs> Ah, uh, that so would prevent Patri some political dynasties pretty, pretty well. But yeah, Susie's question, what does the Patriot Act actually do? Why yeah. are they not allowed to read it? So uh, it was leaked after it was passed. Paul mm -hmm. Wellstone, actually, just because I think it's worth saying, sorry, not Paul Wellstone, uh, Russ Feingold, it's worth saying what he said afterwards. He said, I, this might be the best bill ever written in the history of humanity, but I can't vote for something I or I'm not allowed to read it. It's my duty as a senator to make sure every bill that gets through is a good bill, and I can't do that if I haven't read it. And so, what was the what was the idea behind not letting them read it or or it was mandating super secret? Yeah, super no, secret. How can you even do that? Like that Ask just goes against. Every <laughs> okay, so AOC just came like out. That. It's got to be illegal. Well, AOC just came out and said none. It said what we all knew is none of her colleagues read those bills. I mean, well, no, but yeah. to say you're not allowed to read it is a whole other story. Well, wasn't there something we talked about earlier where uh, everyone was supposed to? It was another. It was another situation like this where you had to vote on something, and I don't. I may. I'm. I'm talking out of my ass right now, but I'm pretty sure that I remember us discussing something similar to this having happened where they're not allowed to read it, but they have to vote on it. I don't know. You're, yeah, Benefsha, is that legal? I mean- Yeah, and then speaking of processes like that, like what, what, this is probably a subsequent question, but what takes place these guys at courts, which have, you know, we have courts, they issue rulings, we have no idea where, when, or how they're interpreting things, all of this stuff. I mean, if, if the whole idea behind having a, a, a liberal electoral republic, and I mean liberal in the broad sense, not the not not the pro gay marriage sense, right? Right. right. Uh, um, if if the whole idea behind having a liberal electoral republic is that you're going to have transparency, then transparency catastrophically died. It was murdered uh, in in the United States Capitol building in October of 2001 because not only was the bill that they passed uh, not transparent, but then the mechanisms they put into place that followed, like the, like the courts, the secret courts that issue warrants so you can track down terrorists. Um, the, once that went into effect, we became a secretive police state. Wait, what are the warrants? So, so let's say I think you're a terrorist and, I'm, and I work in a agency, a law enforcement agency for the federal government. I can go to a secret court the FISA courts, yeah. And I can, when I go to that court, what I can do is I can go to this judge and say, this is the evidence I have thus far. And the judge then issues a warrant to allow me to now basically hack your computer and spy on you and then figure out if you are in fact a terrorist. Well, I mean, that, that 
that goes against the whole idea be, behind the Fourth and Fifth Amendment. So that's what the USA Patriot Act did, yeah. was effectively destroy the Fourth and Fifth Amendment. So is this only certain agencies, intelligence agencies like the CIA or FBI, or any police department can do this? So first of all, I, I've lost track, but at one point I tried to count the number of intelligence agencies we have in the United States, and I think it's 17. I feel like it's a number like that. I was thinking you were going to say zero. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, obviously. No, yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Intelligence, United States, total oxymoron, <laughs> not possible. Um, so, 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 yeah, the answer is any of those 17 agencies, federal marshals, Secret Service, like there's all these different agencies that could, could do this. And they had the police departments. They had brought in the police departments as a tentacle to help them. So, so, so what, yeah, what they did was they created special uh, anti-terrorism task force, task force mm -hmm. in, in police departments yes. so that, so that the USA Patriot Act effectively could work. In fact, one of them came after Roy. Uh, the Austin Police Department's anti-terrorism task force. Get the fuck out of here. What happened? I want to know. 2006? Yeah. That's a whole other story. That's a show. Maybe can, maybe we, no, maybe we can go into it today. But what the hell happened? Wait, they just so to, to give you a bit of an idea around like rates and ratios and these kinds of things, the FISA courts apparently never reject any of these warrants that come their way um, over their 33-year period they've granted 33,904 and 12 rejections over that whole time period of which the majority were only partial rejections of these requests wow um yeah so this isn't you know a court where things are being deliberated it, it it's a lot more rubber stampy than how do that. we write fisa how, how's that fisa yeah so F fisa is a foreign intelligence surveillance court fisa huh and the A is actually for act. Hmm. Oh yes. Right. But they are they are they're secret courts with secret judges. Secret. <laughs> secret orders. Secret so, orders. And, and and Ramesh brings up an important thing. The FISA courts existed before the USA Patriot Act. So what the USA Patriot Act did was it sort of weaponized the FISA courts and took it one step further because the USA Patriot Act effectively attacked the Fourth and Fifth Amendment. So the Fourth and Fifth Amendment, so there is no right to privacy in the United States. Nowhere in the United States Constitution is it mentioned. It's not, it's not there. What happened was in Roe v. Wade in 1973, the famous abortion case, what the courts concluded was, what the Supreme Court concluded was, that the, the right to privacy was implied by the Fourth and Fifth Amendments. And therefore, it did exist. The problem mm -hmm. was that the founding fathers, did, James Madison, the, founder, the problem was that James Madison, the guy who authored all our original documents except for the Declaration of Independence, he, did, he couldn't have anticipated tape recorders. And so he didn't realize the need to put in a right to privacy. It was already implied just simply yeah. because they didn't have the ability to do anything meaningful in terms of spying on you. Is it because and it's so, so specific when it says the, you, a person has a right to their papers and their isn't that what the fourth amendment says person has the fourth, the fourth amendment says there's no uh unlawful search and seizures right. in other words you have to have a warrant to go into somebody's house so there has to be convincing evidence that you have in fact broken the law and and the courts it was so serious that before the usa patriot act if the if a, if a police officer broke into your house be, or, or sorry entered your house with a warrant because they thought you had pot and they found a dead body in the root in your house you clearly murdered somebody. There was nothing they could do about it because the warrant didn't allow them to search for the dead body. 
that was that, that was wrong. And and so obviously the police officer is going to go do something to figure out how to how to justify getting the warrant. Yeah. But, but that's how serious we were about this. This was a, this was an important foundational legal issue for the United States. And uh, in the aftermath of Roe v. Wade, it became even more serious because, right, the whole premise was uh, I don't have to testify against myself, which means my voice recorded with me not knowing that I was being recorded was in effect me testifying against myself, which is the Fifth Amendment. The Fifth Amendment protects you against that. And, and now if you are if you do anything electronic, any way, shape or form, and it gets recorded, it is totally admissible evidence against you in a court of law. The Fourth Amendment and the Fifth Amendments are, are gone. The danger, of course, with that is it, it does impede and erode and undermine the First Amendment as well, because it makes it so that, mm, <laughs> you know, do I want to say this? You're going to come after me with it later. And, yep. and so there's been a very serious erosion of our, our rights. And yeah. Congress keeps renewing the USA Patriot Act every time it comes up. It used to come up every year, but now they I think they renew it every five years. Yeah, and then I think part of the problem is that we we are often promised with these pieces of legislation or when these systems are initially put into place that they only exist for either those internationally or non-U.S. citizens or something like this, right? And then inevitably the leaks start to come out that this uh, sort of surveillance is taking place domestically as well or with U.S. citizens as well. Right. Um, actually, it was, it was so full-blown at one point that... Uh, there was a whole legal explosion within the Bush administration about how far they could take it. And interestingly enough, uh, Mueller and Comey <laughs> were who were in the Bush administration, right? Because both of them are Republicans. I think a lot of Americans are confused about that. Um, ended up in a battle against uh, Gonzalez, the uh, deputy attorney general during the Bush administration. He's a Texan. He came over with the uh, Bush administration. And, and the reason why they got into a battle with him was because Ashcroft got sick, right? The guy who was beaten by a dead man. He got sick and ended up in the hospital. And so he effectively became the, the, the attorney general. And the whole reason was is because in the, in the opening days uh, after 9-11, not only was the USA Patriot Act taking away the Fourth Amendment, the Bush administration went even beyond that. And they were... They were in a zone that was so out there, it freaked out men like Comey and Mueller. And, and uh, they literally put one guy, I don't remember the exact sequence, but they put one guy in an Ashcroft's hospital room to block Gonzalez. <laughs> and then they put the other guy with George Bush Jr. to talk, try to talk him <laughs> off the, the precipice. I don't remember who took the hospital room, Mueller or, or Comey. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And then this is this is not like hmm, discontinuous with uh, democratic administrations, right? So it, it's not like this is a partisan thing where uh, Bush was doing this expansion, then Obama comes in and conserves and sort of pulls it back a little bit. It, it... I, I mean, I think there is a little bit of both with under Obama. So um, the Bush administration, like I said, went really too far. They they backed off of the pre pre precipice. Um, for the record, there was a lawsuit against the Patriot Act. It went all the way to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court said that in 
you know, weighing security versus your Fourth and Fifth Amendment rights, uh, security obviously should come first, which I found really amazing. What was that um, thing about if if you give up your freedom for security, you deserve neither? What was that? Wasn't that a thing for a minute? So it, it was definitely post 9-11. I don't know that it was a real thing. Like it was it's frequently attributed to Ben Franklin, but I don't think Ben Franklin actually said it. Yeah, that's why I didn't say who said it because I didn't know who said. I was like, yeah. I don't know if that's right. <laughs> I don't know who who said it originally. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder what nine eleven meant. What it did to the sense of security, sense of belonging um, of Muslims in the U.S. Yeah, I think Muslims were right. This this first. Hmm group of domestic folks who were uh, under under strong surveillance so i write the alarm bells start ringing in masjids first i want to say am i projecting that i don't know no i i mean uh so my brother came to the u.s in 2000 and right after 9 11 he got a letter from homeland security it became homeland security it was not homeland security until then it was ins uh, Immigration Nationalization Services. So he gets a letter from Homeland Security and um, starts getting several, in the very beginning, he was getting several visits um, and a couple of men would show up to his apartment. Um, and uh, there was no, they wouldn't tell him, it was always at night and they wouldn't tell him they were coming. And um, so kind of like uh, getting catching wow. him off guard in the yeah. act, whatever they were looking for. Building a bomb. And then once, yeah, once that initial period was over, he, it, it started happening every six months. Again, he didn't know when it was happening, when they were coming. Um, and every six months, something like that would happen. So he was um, officially under surveillance. He was told that he's being, you know, um yeah and that was um and i remember asking him well how do you feel about that he's come from iran so he's like whatever. It's, it's like home it's it's all right <laughs> i mean in iran we're surveilled like 24 i mean you know if you if inside your house um they they are they are constantly watching and hearing listening to see what you're doing in your house <clears throat> are you having a party are you mixing genders <clears throat> are you listening are you dancing are you drinking alcohol are you i mean it's surveillance 24 7 all the time everywhere <clears throat> and so he wasn't really phased by it he was like what's the big deal like this is all right <laughs> wow and i remember thinking yeah yeah <laughs> and now this is, this is a step up and all of these people are freaking out about people coming to offer the government coming to offer them a, a, an inoculation of a vaccine yeah. everybody's yeah. freaking out about that but here we've got people being harassed constantly i mean it's somebody's job to harass an individual i, I don't yeah I, it's ridiculous and professors and why aren't the why aren't the i mean where did the white supremacists go on the terror watch list where are they fall where do they fall into this patriot act it, it, they were completely below the radar. It wasn't even a whisper in anybody's ear, not even in their imagination. It wasn't on the radar, period. Had they never but, been to the South? <clears throat> Sorry? No, but that's okay. That's not terrorism. <laughs> that's a, 
That's just showing black people where they belong. Right. Oh, it's a it's a form of education. But I think this is a really interesting moment for Roy to tell us one of his stories um, about being surveilled. Um, yeah, I think this is very. What do you say? Do you think this is? Do you want to sure, share? Sure, sure. I hadn't planned We're to. We're way before. past. It's like a dec more than a decade. After. It was 2006. It was okay. just uh, five years after the Patriot Act. Yes. Like. So um, I went to Houston to go visit my mom, and I, we were living in Austin. We were living in Austin, and I get a phone call from Benasha, and she goes, "You're not going to believe who showed up." So, what happened was, I'm sitting, <laughs> I am in my our apartment, UT graduate student housing, on Lake Austin Boulevard, and it's like eight o'clock at night, and it's a Sunday night. Well, Saturday night. Well, well Friday. Friday, it's Friday night. night. Friday it's Friday night. night. And Roy, it's the beginning of the weekend. Roy's gone to Houston. All of a sudden, knock on the door. I go open the door. I'm all by myself. There's oh, we, we're missing a step. Gee. We, we're, we're, miss, we're messing this up. So a month earlier, uh -huh. my mom my yeah. mom gets an interesting visit. Please show up. And uh, so my mom goes, let me see your badges. They show her the badges, but I don't know what that does for anybody anyway. Cause you know, like you could have a fake badge. Um, so she, they show the badges and they say, we're, we're looking for Roy Casagranda. And, and my mom's like, um, what is this about? And he, they go, somebody's looking for him. And she goes, oh, it must be his dad. At which point they go, yes, that's who it is. His dad mm -hmm. is looking for him. Sure. And his, my dad and I were in contact. So my dad was not looking for me. So they just were looking for a way to gain her trust and enter the house because they're clearly unethical. God. Well, it's a police state, you know, like the Soviet Union or Nazi Germany or, or North Korea. Exactly. Or the Islamic Republic of Iran. Anyway, so, um, so the, these pathological liars enter my mom's house. Mm -hmm. And they come in and they sit down and she like offers them drinks and they interrogate her for two goddamn hours. What? This is a woman who was, uh, you know, in her 80, in her 70s. Yeah, she was uh, 76. And so they're interrogating a 76 year old woman who was on six different heart meds. And they, they asked her everything about me. They asked her what my, my, what my ambitions were. Like, what did I plan to run for president at some time? <laughs> it's neat that they figured out I was eligible. I really appreciate that. Um, and like, you know, they asked all these, what, it, what, it, what political party is he part of? And she told them everything she knew. Uh, my mom's nickname after that became Scopalamin. Um, and so she calls me up and she goes, Roy, I think I screwed up. I go, what happened, mom? And, and I'm thinking like she she banged her fender or something. And she goes, she tells me the story of the cops. And I'm like, holy shit, mom, why'd you tell them everything? Why? Like, you know. No, but right after that, we're actually sitting. So we kind of freak out because we're thinking, were these really cops? Well, no, we start freaking out because they never contact us. Yeah. Because she said, you want me to give the, the, your my son's number to you? And they were like, no, no, we'll figure it out. And she's like, okay. You just and... get here looking for him. <laughs> yeah. So one we'll month out. later. <laughs> one month later. they So in this one month, we, we are call terrified. We call the cops. Because yeah. we think we think somebody was, was casing her Scout, house. Yeah, scouting the house to come rob it. Or what who, who knows what's yeah, going on. Yeah. So they show up at the door. I see these two white men. 
and they they looked copish. I'm like, what's going on? We're looking for Roy Casagranda. I was like, wait a minute. Uh, so somehow it came up that two people were sent to Houston and I start chewing them out like big time. I'm like, nice. what are you people doing? Yeah. So I'm, I'm getting loud. I'm getting agitated. I'm getting pushy. And, you know, I'm like, I'm all, I'm taking all my aggression out on these assholes. And they're like, ma'am, it's all right. So their eyes are widening. They're like, oh shit. <laughs> we have pissed her off now. <laughs> this is not good. So I, he, they say, well, is he here? I said, no, he's not. Uh, when is he coming back? I don't have to tell you anything. Who are you? I don't even know who you are, man. These are about to, I don't, I don't care. Yeah. What is an anti-terrorism task force in the police? So I don't, I've never heard of that. Yeah. I don't know about you people. Okay, ma'am, here are our cards. Can you tell him to call us? It's <laughs> like, fine. I'm like calling Roy on the phone immediately. What the fuck? So, so I call the guy up and I go, hey, um, uh what's this about and he goes so let me just tell you who i am i'm officer so-and-so with the terrorism task force and i start laughing and but he had that 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 voice that you get when you know you're doing something stupid <laughs> and so so i'm laughing at him on the phone and he goes i, I we we have uh, a, a few questions we'd like to ask you do you mind meeting with us and I go, yeah, I'd be open to meeting with you. Um, and he goes, do you want us to send an officer to Houston right now? And I go, no, no, I'll come see you in Austin. So I immediately get off the phone. I call a friend of mine who's an attorney and he says, hold on. And then he, he hooks me up with another friend, of, with a friend of his who's uh, attorney. The, I'm going to plug that, that law firm, their flood and flood. And uh, in Houston. In Houston. <laughs> and so I, I can hear them on the other line and they're like, fucking fascist motherfuckers. What a bunch of shitheads. They're trying to silence Americans. This is bullshit. First Amendment. Where the hell's the Fourth and Fifth Amendment? And I just scream oh of cussing. So they go, meet us in the morning. Uh, our <laughs> office is open at 8 a.m. or whatever it was. And okay, we're going to interview you. Just to set the stage, this flood and flood guy, it's, he's one of the floods that, that the friend is talking to. And these are like high power downtown Houston, 34th floor type of people. Okay, go ahead. So, uh, so I go and I meet and the guy's like, look, you're, we're, you're my client now. I'm your attorney. <laughs> so I can't say anything to anybody after this moment. Just tell me. Let's just start there. Is there anything to any claim of death? I'm like right. laughing. No. And he goes, "Is like, is there a possibility you even know a terrorist?" I'm like, other than the cops, no. <laughs> other than my <laughs> friends in the United States military blowing right? up Iraq and Afghanistan, no. <laughs> Don't know any terrorists. No terrorists out of uniform. <laughs> Let's just right. put without a, without an American flag on their pat on their shoulder. There you go. Um, so. So he's like, well, uh, just in case, give us your all your email accounts and passwords. What? We're going to go through your emails. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. So I give them everything. And they go, all right, we're your attorneys. We're doing this pro bono. Um, and I go, look, I, I just, right, when you say pro bono, like, is it pro bono forever? And they're like, we're your attorneys. It's done. You just, we're going to take care of you. Wow. So 
Uh, I go, okay, cool. And so they call him up. They call up the police officer and they go, where are Roy Casagrande attorneys? And uh, we represent him. And uh, anything you say, you need to say through us. And we want to know why you want to interview him. Yeah. And the guy says, I can't tell you for national security purposes. <laughs> so they turn to me and they're like, uh, they, they hang up with the cop, right? And they turn to me and they're like, all right, so we've been told that they can't tell us why. And we think that's just bullshit. We want to fight these guys and we want to undermine them and we want to disrupt any efforts that they have. And we know how they operate, right? Every fascist is like this. They're OCD about lists, about people striking names off. So what we would like to do, if you're willing, is we want to make you into a point of resistance and refuse to interview with them. And I said, okay, uh, I will do that on the condition that you swear. <laughs> if something goes wrong, no matter what it is, like they really come after me, you will you will never drop me as a client. <laughs> like I need to know that there's a net underneath me. And they go, yes, we will fight tooth and nail to the end, pro bono the whole way. But but you know, there's a risk. We need you to know that there's a possibility that this you're going to piss off the state, and the state's going to come after you. And I go, let's do it. I, I'm a, I'm a political scientist. This, uh, this is awesome. I want to fight for the, for the amendments. I'm a firm believer. So I remember that day when they were having the conversation, the word Supreme Court came up. <clears throat> they were looking for, I mean, by 2006, was it? Yeah. People were so pissed off. People were so angry about this growth of fascism. And there was nothing we can do because there's this veneer of national security and we're about to get another 9-11. So we got to let everything just go by and not not question it. Right. So this was this was every especially folks who are like in the legal system were like just looking for ways to to to, you know, push back. Yeah. And so, so we refused the interview and months go by. And I, I, I don't know where, where anything is, right? Like, I don't know what these- Oh, we're given a piece of paper to put in all the car and the cars um, in case I get we, pulled over. he gets pulled over because the cops can take him. Mm -hmm. The cops had become, like I said, that the, the security apparatus had, the, the state security apparatus had become tentacled into yeah. local police departments. I think that's pronounced apparatchnik, right? Is that how that, I don't, my Russian isn't so great. Uh, what did the Soviets call it? I don't remember. Anyway, so here, after a few months, my, my attorneys called me up and they said, we want to change our legal advice to you. And I said, okay. They said, in the beginning, we, we actually, they had told me, if you want, we can clear this up and we can get it over with. We'll go in with you, you interview. You know, we'll be right there next to you, giving you advice. And we get this off and your name comes off the list and we walk away. Or option two is we fight. And I went, let's fight. So that was our option. Uh, two or three months later, they call me up and they're like, we need to change our advice to you. And I said, what, what do you mean? He, they said, we strongly recommend that if any pressure is ever applied, that you refuse to, to uh, interview. And I said, why? And they said, we think it's a trap. We think that they're going to get you into the interview and then they're going to disappear you. Which is what was happening. And, and uh, so we said, so they said, we, we strongly advise you ever interviewing voluntarily. Like, I mean, if they arrest you, that's a different story. But as long as they don't arrest you, never volunteer for it. And yeah. so that's, that's where it left off. I still have the, the thing in my pocket. 
and uh, it's 2021, so it's 15 years later. <laughs> well, there, there was also something I think uh, you might have left off, and that was um, at some point in one of the conversations with the police, um, the topic of you had said oh. something questionable. Uh, yeah, they, finally, after months, my attorneys did get the police to say this. They wanted to interview me because I said something of political concern. At which point my attorneys went, he's a political Whoa. science professor. Presumably everything he has ever said is a political concern. <laughs> and then they said, not only do we know the constitution, but our client knows the constitution. You're <laughs> fighting the wrong dude. <laughs> Just shut up. At, at, at that point, uh, I think Fuck. some months before that, um, somewhere between 2001 and 2006, uh, you were some somebody in Houston some uh, radio station talk yeah. show host um, said had, had said something about you. This is without mentioning my name. Without, yeah, that there is some professor in political science in this college that is corrupting the minds of the youth. I mean, not putting it that way, but like holy um, yeah. shit yeah. yeah and then and then at some point somebody posted on Facebook uh, not on Facebook on YouTube that I was an anti-German racist and uh and <laughs> I find that hilarious to, for the for people who don't know I, I I'm not only that's, part German I've lived what in Nazis Germany call it now. <laughs> and I'm actually, I actually I'm actually a German German speaker yeah and like you know like you anti-German. I'm, 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 I would clearly be a self-hating German, I guess. That's yeah. what I'm probably uh, So it's funny for me to be an anti-German racist. <laughs> yeah. It's so yeah. easy just to call people names, though, and have it stick. I mean. But, but you know, also on all the groups, you know, like if you said he's an anti-English racist, okay, you know, or anti-Swedish racist, but German? Do people really have that much sympathy for Germany? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know. Um, yeah. Just as a footnote, Roy's mom, um, uh, she, she's passed now. May she rest in peace. Um, was was Egyptian and she looked extremely Egyptian. And so when those cops visited, I bet all sorts of red flags went yeah. out. Because they asked her point blank, what are you? And she's like, I'm Egyptian. So your son's What Egyptian. are you? God, I hate yeah. that fucking question. What are you? Oh my God. I don't know if you're a piece of shit. Planet, right? I wish I were alien. Yeah, you <laughs> fucking... Oh, what a horrible thing to say to mm -hmm. someone. <laughs> yeah. So for me, I see I see this through line, and maybe again, I am projecting this onto this history, but I see this through line between right Patriot Act, events that happened to you, Roy, and to many other people I imagine across the country. We have a and friend then, of nurse who was approached by the FBI, same circumstances, like a year later, and, and another friend who was uh, a kid in high school, they actually came and took his computer. It was all in the same time period. Yeah. She, the, the woman was white, but she's married to a Palestinian and she's a nurse, uh, five children. Uh, yeah. And then and then the kid, the, the kid, he's half Palestinian, half Lebanese. I mean, clearly there was, you know, people of Arab descent were being mm -hmm. targeted. Mm -hmm. uh, for the record, uh, the, the kid was Christian, raised Christian. Um, His mom was Christian, paraphernalia all over the house, and they still. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, my mom was Christian, and so like, oh, and then, 
And paraphernalia <laughs> refers to the wall of crosses. <laughs> yeah, paraphernalia yeah. cross or cro crosses. Yeah. So uh, her brother, the Iranian brother, name an incident where Iran has attacked the United States in a terror attack. Like, why would you ever investigate Iranians? It's access of evil. I mean, so, so so then now the answer is our goal is to make people hate us so much. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That maybe they will someday and act of vengeance. Is, is just to create an enemy, create an enemy. That's exactly it. So, <clears throat> yeah, just like 1984. I mean, you have to have someone to fight mm -hmm. constantly, the war machine, mm -hmm. right? And, and and so so the end answer is that all of this, none, they never disrupted a single terror attack, right? It's worth pointing out. Here we are, 20 years later, uh, the the underwear bomber. It's because they messed up in the underwear bomb design. The shoe bomber, there was a mess up. The Times Square bomber, there was a mess up in the design. In other words, every terror attack that hasn't gone off, it's because it got fouled up by the terrorists, not because we had law enforcement stop it. There was that that one plane, that the Saudi plane, or the plane, was it coming from Saudi Arabia? There was a plane where the Saudis called the United States up and said, hey, there's a bomb on this plane. And so the Saudis once saved us from a terror attack. It was a cargo plane. There were you know, other than the pilot, the co-pilot, nobody would have died unless it had hit a populated yeah. center as it went down. But, but you know, like the only time we can talk about foiled terror attacks is because the terrorists foiled the terror attack. Yeah. I mean, the, the guy who shot up Pulse, his mom even called and said, this guy, there's a problem here. And nobody, I think they interviewed him once. And then the parents called again and said, there's it's something really bad happening. And they didn't mm -hmm. do anything and he went in and killed all the all those people mm -hmm. i think he's a successfully integrated assimilated american i did too because that's yeah. what a white guy would have yep. done yep thank you for that's that. what a, a virgin white guy with an assault rifle would have done incel let's just incel. call them what they are they're not yeah. involuntarily celibate nobody wants to fuck them that's the end of it <laughs> so I, I wanna i wanna i wanna i think we're kind of running out of time yeah. i want to end this on a on a an, an, an interesting note okay so um the whole time i've been in the u.s um and i have felt i, I just want to talk up until the 2016 election so where i was up to 2016 all through you know, this anti-terror sort of mania, all of it, since 2000, especially since 2001, 9-11. I've had a sense where this is not where I belong. Uh, I'm not, nobody wants me here necessarily. I'm here on borrowed time. There's just this belief that it's just a matter of time before I'm thrown out or if if a specific, more specifically, if a white person is, if I'm, if I'm having interpersonal relationships with a white person, they're pretending to actually, when I say I'm from Iran originally, it's all sort of a performance that we do where they don't want me here. I know they don't want me here. I... You know, like this, this sort of, we're just going to do this dance. Um, we're never going to become close. Uh, you will all, I'll always be suspect, but, you know, we're going to do this dance and we're going to tolerate or you're going to tolerate me, which is my favorite sort of <laughs> interfaith word. Oh, yeah. Um, interfaith, hell. 
They're trying to well, okay. tolerate so, queers. Right. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. So, yeah. 2016 comes around. Uh, we're all in a shock. By February, there's a program that CARE Austin has, has put together. Um, CARE is uh, Ramesh. CARE stands for Council on Islamic American, American Islamic Relations. And it, it is the biggest nonprofit. It, it's the biggest advocacy sort of entity in the United States working on behalf of Muslims. And we're all working together. And my job, along with a bunch of other folks, was to, um, so let me just say what the, what the thing was. This is uh, Texas Muslim, uh, Tex, Texas Capital Muslim, Capital day. day, thank you. <laughs> and it happens uh, every two years with the session. One day, uh, Muslims are bussed in from all over Texas. And these are Muslim kids, high school kids, are bussed in to learn about lobbying. It's sort of a citizenry best practices kind of thing, right? Okay. Meet your, meet your, meet your legislator. legislator, learn how to talk with them, put your asks out. It's, it's sort of, uh, you know, um, and on that day, two years before in 2014, things had gone terribly wrong. And one of the legislators had taken the microphone from a Muslim speaker. This is all in the, on the Texas steps, taking the microphone from a Muslim speaker, Peter white Mike? woman, no, Biederman got elected. Oh, was yeah. that the one who's Yeah. Um, I'm not going to name names. It's all right. No. They're no longer there. Um, and they had gone off on Muslims not being Christian, being damned. What are they doing here? All sorts of stuff. So we were, this is post-Trump. This is Trump has already taken office. This is February 2017. Yeah. And we put a call out and my my focus was getting um, as many people as could as we could get to surround these 700 kids. I was there. Right? Yes. <laughs> to surround these 700 kids. And we were thinking, you know, we put the call out. By the way, this was supposed to happen on a Monday or a Tuesday. Um, on Friday, the Muslim ban was passed. We couldn't get much traction until Muslim ban. Friday, Muslim ban passed. By Tuesday, we had 2,000 non-Muslims show up at the Capitol. 2,000 people. We made international news. That's right. We had three layers of folks, mostly white folks, surrounding these kids. And we had... Trump supporters with a AK with their AK-47s hanging, walking like shogals. What is a jackals? Like just yeah. walking, right? Just scary. Yeah. Very scary. They're just kids. Yeah. So <laughs> somehow we pulled this off. The event, nobody, and, and we had like folks, we, we knew what had happened 2014. We had uh, a whole, I don't know how many legislators standing behind the speakers in solidarity, holding hands, you know, 
linking arms. It was one of the most beautiful things I had ever experienced as an American. I remember walking from the steps of the Capitol to a church where we were going to convene to have lunch and then kind of get our bearings and go back and do our let, you know, do the actual lobbying. Because that was just the preamble, right? The steps and the speakers and whatever. The work was, that was the morning. The work was actually going to happen after lunch. And I remember doing this plank walk, the anti-plank walk, from the, the Capitol towards the street. And all these 2,000 people, and I think more people had joined because it was just, it was, it was humongous. Huge. Yeah. And, and they had lined up this walkway. And I remember all the Muslims were crying. Yeah. We had a, a, a fellow who runs one of the mosques here came out to the um, Texas Employment State Union thing where I was part of the queer group there. And uh, he came out and thanked us uh, and spoke to our community specifically for coming out and, and being part of that. And then the Muslim groups showed up for us during the bathroom bill. You know, it was just uh, and these are two groups that you would never think would come together. And they did. And if we can do that, why can't we bring other groups in to do this? Well, okay, one more, one more story. <clears throat> so it's right. right around the same time period. Um, a, a, a dear friend of ours uh, organizes, uh, um, I can't remember what, was, what he called it. It was the, the, where we stood in front of the Noesis Mosque. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, to show solidarity with, with the yeah, Muslim Yeah, it's community. Muslim Solidarity Committee. Yeah, that okay. was ATX. The, ATX, yeah. yeah. Another organization that just popped up right after the- um, Trump's election. Trump's election, yeah. It was, no, it was before Trump's election. It was, wait, was it before or right after? It might've been right after, yeah. I think it was right after. Yeah. In any case, the, the, one of the main organizers <laughs> is Jewish. And so uh, that, that added a whole Jewish awesome... and queer. Well, oh, sorry. Was, thanks. Sorry. Is it Matt? I'm sorry. I think I know this person. It's Matt. Yeah. It, it's Matt, right? It's Matt. It's Matt. It's Matt. <laughs> He's one of the dearest human beings ever. And so, so we go and people are coming out of the mosque and they see us. We're holding up signs. Matt we... Corn, y'all. Yeah. Now you just outed him. Yeah, we just. <laughs> In case you didn't know. In case Matt didn't know. In case. In case. So people are coming out of the mosque. They're bursting into tears. We're, we're bursting into tears because, you know, they're like, you love us. And we're holding up signs say we stand with our Muslim neighbors. Anyway, little, I'm standing there at the front entrance later on. At one point, I was further down the line, but I go over to the front entrance. And uh, Matt Korn and the imam have their hands around each other. And Matt has a, a yarmulke on and it's a rainbow yarmulke <laughs> it's covered in bling and I mean I'm crying at this point because this is such a beautiful coming together moment and Banesha turns to the imam and says I really think you need to go into the mosque and announce that that this mosque is in solidarity with the LGBTQ community what? and wow. you know, she doesn't have her hair covered he, he, the mom's hugging a, a queer gay man. Totally <laughs> queer new time. Queer man. Jew. And he walks into the mosque and he does it. Wow. This imam, this imam. That's, yeah, he's, oh my, yeah, he's imam. amazing. He's so beautiful. Yeah. 
Yeah. He's the uh, one who came to to the Sheikh to the Omar. meeting. Yes, Sheikh Omar has since passed. It, it this this it, it was a big blow to our community in Austin. He was uh, Sheikh Omar Ismail. Um, is saying his name because we want to remember how special he was. Um, yeah, he he was a champ. He was we we him and I used to text all the time about. <laughs> um yes things that were controversial um within the community within the muslim community and trying to figure out how to broach those and yeah big loss big loss anyway the whole point that i'm saying this is even though 9 11 created much craziness and pain and suffering some of us who it grazed right um, some of us did get disappeared. Families did get destroyed. Some were returned to their countries of origin, even though they were American, um, naturalized. There were 150 naturalized U.S. citizens who were deported. Yeah, aren't there uh-huh. some still in Guantanamo? Yes, there. This I was going to get there. So much damage done to Muslim individuals and in Muslim countries. All of that. For those of us that it barely grazed, um, it brought us together. It made us wake up to what we needed to do. It got us organizing, um, created lots of solidarities between Muslims and other um, groups in the United States. Um, It moved us along, I think, in sort of the liberation path. So, um, yeah. I mean, I think that the end is the end of the story is that the struggle goes on whether there are many setbacks. And maybe this is the best we can do is just be in a state of permanent. We, we do what we can. It, it's always been this. I mean, it's always it's, been this. It, it always has been this. We are supposed to be in permanent struggle. I mean, Which I is, think that's, that's where we are. That's where we are. Yeah, it would just be nice if we could all struggle against the same thing on the same I mean, right, that's actually but a really important yeah. point. So, you know, like, I'll also add this part to it, which is my own personal frustration in all of this. So, you know, like I would show up to the pro-gay marriage rally, or I would show up to the pro-abortion rally, or I would show up to the let's fight for the environment or let's fight for workers' rights. But then when we were having an anti-Gaza massacre rally or an anti-Iraq war rally, it was shocking how that population of people that I had stood up for and worked in solidarity with weren't there. And, and it would make me think, so wait a minute, you, you're willing to fight for your issues and I'm willing to fight for your issues, but when it comes to genocide of Arabs or Muslims, you're absent. So at some level, the message you keep telling me is, yeah, I really don't care if those brown people are bombed in their but sleep I in think, their apartment. But I buildings. think Trump kind of changed that narrative. I, it, it may be. He, yeah. brought, he brought us closer together. I don't know that that's totally there yet no of course not yeah. i think he did open open the eyes of some of the activists who've been so try, fighting so hard for one thing to look over and say okay oh, <laughs> yeah so i do think that happened at least i do i agree and i think that's one of the powerful i think trump was a necessary evil i am very happy we had him as president i hope he doesn't get a second term uh and that kamala does beat him in 2024 but um, 
you know, at the end of the day, we kind of needed him because he's the guy who made it clear that all of these related, all of these issues are related and interconnected. And if you fight for one, you're going to lose. Mm-hmm. And that that our fight is liberation. Period. From for systems. everybody. For really? everybody. Liberation from systems. That's what we need. Ramesh, did you want to say something? Uh, I've all to say too much to say on each of these things and i want to make sure we're, we're abiding by our scheduled time so i'm going to hold my peace and we will have plenty of future opportunities well to talk we're going to have to have a yeah. part three because we still haven't done what we set out to do which was what we still what? haven't talked about the united states withdrawing from afghanistan that was kind of a big part of this <laughs> what we're talking about next time well so uh, do, so here's a question that we need to figure out and maybe we can get comments on the video uh, to help us sort this out. Do we want to go a little bit deeper into Iraq and, and Afghanistan and treat them as like a, a single entity event? Or do we want to just jump into Afghanistan and wrap this up? <laughs> All uh, right. Leave your thoughts in the comments and we will see you again next week. <laughs> Any uh, departing words? I think from Banafsha, it's uh, something solidarity against systems from Roy it's the struggle continues from Susie what are your parting words thanks thanks (laughs) (laughs) all right y'all we will see you next time what about you no parting words (laughs) I still have one more maybe but if she could tell us about no band no wall too (laughs) that's another episode that's another episode that's another, That's another no. solidarity thing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Thanks, y'all. Bye. Bye.